Thank you, Mr. Plue. Is Tom Kaler here? Tom Kaler, stand if you are. Stand just for a moment. Tom, these people haven't met you, most of them. I want them to pray for you as you go back to Switzerland today. Tom Kaler came over the weekend all the way from Switzerland to enroll at the Master's College. We got through the paperwork. Peter Gillies did an outstanding record job, and he was admitted, the admissions committee admitted on Tuesday. Yesterday, he received news from Switzerland of some intense personal problems that he must return immediately today to Switzerland and must drop out of school after just about 24 hours. Would someone stand and pray for Tom? Pray that, the, that God would go before, solve those problems, and he would be able to come back to school at the Master's College in January. Somebody stand and pray, please. Thank you. God bless you as you go, Tom. We'll look forward to seeing you again in January. And remember to pray for him as time goes by. He's got some very serious personal challenges awaiting him in Switzerland. King Solomon has written, there is an appointed time for everything. That's in the NASB. And in Ecclesiastes in chapter 3, and don't turn there necessarily, in the King James Version, he says, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, and it goes on. You're familiar with that passage. In verse 14, he says, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it. And God doeth it, that men should fear before him. And as Paul Plew would talk about miracles that God has done in this past year, uh, or as I would want to talk about miracles that God has done over the 59-year history of this school, I'm not always sure about the use of the word miracle as compared to a more proper application of the word providence, God's providence. But I do know one thing, that God has handed his hand on this school for 59, nearly 60 years in an amazing way. And I know another thing with all my heart, that we were all born for this purpose that we gather here today. Every one of us, faculty, staff, and students. He's done that. He's gone before. He's done it for you. He's done it for you. And as they asked me if I would mind sharing a bit of what I had experienced and what God had done in this past year, the reason for that, I'm sure that Dr. MacArthur said I wasn't able to be here yesterday, but he would frequently tell you that in his life and ministry, he's never seen anything like what God has been doing here at the Master's College. And it didn't just begin 15 months ago, 16 months ago, when we were privileged to come and be a part of that. And yet, in the scheme of that, I want you to be aware that in the time in which we live, God has raised up a man to lead us into the future that may well be recorded in history as the leading man of God of this generation. Do you realize that? That's who our president is. He may well be the leading man of God of the globe for this point in time. And God has brought him here to lead this school for you and for me. But I can't stop there. I must go back. And I'm sorry again that I wasn't able to be here on Tuesday. I had privilege to speak to the seminary chapel on Tuesday when Dr. John Duncan spoke. For, for the past 26 years prior to the change last year, this man of God is the one that God used and honored to keep this place pure. There are very few Christian colleges that are going on 60 years of age and are pure and still committed to 
the basis upon which they were founded. And not only Dr. John Duncan, but men and women of God, faithful men and women of God, sacrificed and they sacrificed and they sacrificed and they stayed here in recent years when there was no money for salary increases and their salaries were so low that they didn't know how they were going to have food on their tables. And in many cases, they had not had more than one salary increase in four years. They were here out of their commitment to Christ, and God honored that, and God met their needs. And they were here for you and me today. They're the ones that have gone before, those that have been here 20 years, 15, 10, 5, prior to the time of the change. And I want to ask everyone who was on the faculty or staff prior to the change from LABC to the Master's College to stand, and let's give them a token of our appreciation for what they have done. They are the ones that paid a price that you'll never know about. I got just a glimpse of that in order that we could be here today. They stayed here and they struggled and they sacrificed. Let them know it privately, would you? As you get to know them in the classroom, get to know them. Thank them. All too often when there's a big change, like has occurred here in this last 15 months or 16, whatever it is, all too often the focus becomes on all that is new. And yet all that is new couldn't be if it hadn't been for the heritage. Those who had been faithful in the past, don't ever forget that. That is so important. And please come alongside and encourage. And I always haven't done that. I, I'm new and I've got to face the problems that are on my desk each day. And problems have a way of being new every day. And so to, to take that time, I haven't done as well with that. Do better than I have done in showing your appreciation, your encouragement to them. I want to tell you that over this past 16 months that we've been together with, with the new identity and, and the new direction. That my life has been so exciting that I can't have words to explain it. And that applies to many people that are here. And last Friday, I think the most recent act of providence that I have in my limited mind been able to observe and identify. That doesn't mean God wasn't doing great things here yesterday and already today, even in my own life. I just, I just don't always see them because I have a finite mind. But last Friday, something occurred. I want to begin with this. It's the most recent thing that I've experienced. Last Friday, about noon, I noticed that the crosswalk hadn't been painted yet. Now, we had asked the government officials to do that, to come and to paint the crosswalks, because we're always concerned someone is going to drive through too fast and there's going to be a, a terrible accident. So last Friday about noon, I, I saw Mr. Walt Altheim, who is our, our chief of security, out there, and, and I said, Walt, we've got to paint this today. If they don't come and do it, we've got to do it. Classes are starting. There's going to be that big picnic. We've got to do it. We've got to just get some cans of paint and get out there and paint those stripes so they're prominent, so, so we can perhaps avoid an accident. About two hours later, I come out, and there is a man, a student, and he's got an elaborate piece of equipment, and he is painting that like he does that for a living. I had no idea where he'd come from, and so I checked into it, and I found out that after I had asked Walt Allheim to do something about that, just get a brush and get somebody to paint that, 
Then it was discovered, then it was discovered that God had brought as a student a young man named Brent Talent. And Brent Talent had made it known that he had been painting that kind of stuff for a few years and had his equipment with him. And someone snatched him out of a registration line. He got his equipment, came down and painted that line. Is that an accident? Or is that part of the movement of the Spirit of God in the details of things? In Psalm 86, there's a, there's a verse about a token for good. God keeps sending along tokens for good, indicators that, boy, he is with us every step of the way. God began to do wonderful things. In my experience, when I arrived here on May 1st last year in Dr. MacArthur, we needed a strong young man who could head up the student life program. One who could lead the student body and, and head up the spiritual program for them. And God provided Russ Moore for that. He had raised him up for that. We needed a new name. We needed a new name so we could have a broader appeal and so that we could attract stu evangelical students from all denominations and independent churches. We needed a new name that would be broader. And it's incredible that the Lord had been saving for a few centuries, the name, the Master's College, and think of the significance of it. The word master, applying, ha having academic significance. The word master, having great spiritual significance. I mean, God called his son, the master, in his word. A school that would be committed to the Lord Jesus. And thirdly, the term master refers to excellence. And we believe that God has brought us together to equip young men and women to be men of God and serve him with excellence. And so God had been saving even that name for such a time as this. Isn't that amazing? That's where it began. And then we, we needed a new logo. And we needed an advertising agency. And we needed new brochures. And we needed all of that. And we had no money. We were broke. When I arrived here last May... One of the first things I found out was that we were going to be out of money at the end of May. And we had payrolls to make. And we had all this new things to do and no money at all. And we'd used up our line of credit, which meant we couldn't even go to the bank and borrow any more money. It was shut off. That's where we were. But God had gone before. We found an advertising agency that was, that was recommended to us as the best in the country in Atlanta, Georgia. And they came up with that neat little logo that has the shepherd's crooks on it and the gold on that. Isn't that a beautiful logo? That they came up, and not only that, and, and our stationery, our new identity program, and they said it'd be okay if we didn't pay them till the fall. That's the only way we could do it because we couldn't pay them until the fall. And then we needed new signs. And the, have you ever, have you taken new students, have you taken notice of those redwood signs that are all over the campus, those beautiful redwood signs? You look at the one up at the other end. I've never seen a more beautiful sign in my life, and it's 24 karat gold leaf paint on those. And when they were delivering the first one, a man did those, kind of like Michelangelo, you know. I mean, he did them unto the Lord. He loves Christ, and we got those signs for a fraction of the price when we had no money. And he said we could pay him later when we would get some money. And when they were delivering that first sign, just a token for good, when they were delivering the first sign, I happened to be there when they were taking it off the truck, and, and it had the word master in blue and gold letters. And one of the men, I think maybe it was Ron Searle, standing there, and he said, isn't that great, the school colors even. And Rudy, the sign painter, turned to me and he said, I didn't know that. 
Nobody told me that was the school colors. Exactly the school colors. I don't know why we didn't tell them. We should have. But God took care of even that. The faculty and staff began to meet in prayer meetings last summer. I mean, when you don't know how you're going to make payday, you get real motivated for prayer. You really do. And so we were praying on a regular basis in the evening, faculty and staff together. And and there was a wonderful unity, a wonderful bond that God was building. We needed new board members, and the Lord supplied such men as Sam Erickson, who's one of the leading constitutional lawyers of our time. He's the executive director of the Christian Legal Society in Washington, D.C., a Harvard lawyer who's had three cases this last year before the Supreme Court. That's the quality of men that the Lord is sending to be additions to our board, as well as Fred Stoutland, who will soon be president of one of the largest insurance companies in America. John Bates, who is the uh, vice chairman of the Board of Elders at Grace Community and an exec- well, at the time was a senior executive with IBM Corporation. Bill Coptis, a man who had been my role model. I told the freshman about him when I was younger, a man of God who who is known throughout the business world for his excellence as a businessman. But more than that, he's known for his commitment to Christ. And Bill then came to join our board of directors. Towards the end of July, we had a prayer meeting scheduled the last Thursday evening in July. And I want to tell you this for two things. I want to tell you for what kind of God we have and how he works. I want to tell you because I want you to know what kind of faculty and staff we have, what kind of people they are. My wife and family and I had been here about, my wife and family had been only about two weeks and we were moved into our new house and we wanted to invite everybody over, but you know how that is. You gotta have everything right, right? Everything has to be just right before you invite people. So we were several weeks away from things right. And there, we were coming in that evening, that Thursday evening, the prayer meeting was gonna be up in the cafeteria. And it started at 6.30, a carry in dinner. And uh, at about 6 o'clock, the phone rang. My wife was scurrying to get her casserole together, and we're going to run out and be on time for the the phone rang. It was Dr. John MacArthur. He had been out of town, and he called me. And he kept me on that phone, and it seemed like there wasn't so much to talk about, but we kept talking, you know. And finally, I said, John, I'm going to be late for this thing. I've got to go. Goodbye. He shouldn't do that to the president, I suppose. But... uh, I, I, would, I wanted to be on time for the prayer meeting. And so I grabbed my wife and she grabbed the casserole and we started to run out the front door, afraid we were going to be late. And as we walked through our front door, it was like stepping into the twilight zone. Because in front of my eyes as I stepped through the front door, there were these people picketing our house with signs. You ever stepped out of your door and they're picketing your house? I mean, you just sort of want to just turn around, go back and try that one over, you know, let's do that again, see what will happen another time. And then I looked again and 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 the signs on the on the picket sticks were embarrassingly nice. They said things like your neighbors are lucky and we love you and that kind of stuff, you know. And and the minute we opened the door, then people started getting out of cars everywhere and they started carrying tables and chairs and it had all been like an army, all mobilized. And guess what? We were having 50 people to dinner and we didn't know it. (laughs) And Dr. MacArthur had been a part of the scheme and his job was to keep me on the phone till they could get there. That's the kind of a place that that you've come to be a part of and those, those are the kind of people. Now, as that evening progressed, imagine what a, you're going to find out what a rotten host I am, okay? So we're in our backyard, and 
on the patio, and we have good food. Everybody brought this wonderful food, and we had this 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 great evening. They're so generous. They gave us a, uh, a housewarming gift, and it, and then and then it was my turn to get up and sort of tell them how things were and how we should pray. Well, I get up to tell them that, and it's Thursday, and next week is payday, and these people who have just done this incredible gesture of love and. Us. I had to tell them I didn't know how we we're going to make the payroll. I didn't know how we we're going to pay them. I didn't know how we we're going to pay them for the whole month of August. We were broke. We were broke. And so we prayed that night in little circles of chairs in our backyard. And we prayed intensely, not just for personal needs of the, of the payroll, but because it seemed that God had begun a a wonderful rebirth here at this place and we wanted we didn't want it to fail for his glory and so we prayed and we adjourned and we went home and the next morning Dr. MacArthur and our, our two families were going to go to San Diego that next afternoon and have some vacation together in the weekend and he was going to come by later in the afternoon on Friday but he came early he came about 11 o'clock and he was grinning from ear to ear and he said, Bob, how much money do you need? And I said, well, I think we probably need about 125000 to make it through August. And he grinned from ear to ear and he said, you got it. You've got it. And I said, well, how? And he said, well, there was a meeting last night. And at that meeting at Grace Community, an elders chairman's meeting, one of the men came. Whom had, who had been out here at the college and I'd walked them around. I'd told them things we were doing and needs we had. I was just, I'm a very open person about two weeks before that. And without any prior planning to do that, he had gone to that elders meeting that night. And while he sat in this elders meeting, in his mind kept coming up the master's college. And he kept thinking of our need and knowing that we're desperate and what we were going to do. And Grace Community had some money in the bank for a new children's center that they couldn't use right then because it was tied up in a zoning procedure. And so... As the way he tells it, he felt the Spirit of God moved in his heart and mind, and he just heard himself saying, we've got to help the Master's College. We've got to loan them some money at no interest to help them get through this summer, whatever they need. And they just quickly voted unanimously to do that. You know, in Daniel, it talks about how God answered prayer while they were yet praying, and that's what happened that night. I mean, while we were praying at the exact time, this man was there, and the Spirit of God was working, and we then had the provision that we needed for that. We needed new administrative office. I'll never get through all this. I have four pages of one-liners, and I forgot a bunch of them. I noticed on the way in, I forgot a bunch. Uh, so I'll just try to hit, and, and I don't want to offend anybody, because God has used so many of the people who are here today in a critical way in this last year. And I just want to say, I can't. I'm looking at my watch. I can't begin to cover it all. And so if I don't mention how God had used you, that's a reward for heaven. We needed new administrative offices last year. We, um, Dr. Duncan had graciously given up his office after being president for 26 years, and here comes this new guy in, and he gave me his office. And Dr. MacArthur didn't have an office, so we had a chancellor and a president with no office, and other people with no offices. And a man named Jim Grow, whom you'll get to know, came one day to visit. He was from the church that I was from back in Ohio, and he and his wife, Marge, a few years ago, purposed in their hearts that at re early retirement, they would just go and serve the Lord. And, and they, were, they, built, they built radio stations in Alaska, and they've worked on Indian reservations. And he's, he's a highly skilled contractor, and he does it for the Lord. He won't take any money. 
And so Jim and Marge were working on the Indian Reservation in Arizona one day, towards the end of last summer, and they came over one to see us at the Master's Cause. And I walked around and showed Jim, and I went upstairs where our offices are now. And it was just a big, used to be the cafeteria. And it was a big open room, and the towel floor was worn out, and it was just pretty crummy, old room. And I walked up there, and I said, Jim, we've got to put offices up here, but we don't have any money, and we don't have any people, and I don't know what we're going to do. And they had had this big travel trailer that they used to, to take where and live in that, wherever they go to serve the Lord. And so as we walked all around the campus, and we came back, and, and Jim looked at me, and he said, Bob, where am I going to put my trailer? And I wanted to cry. And they've been here a year, and they haven't taken a penny of pay. And his wife works for Pete Reese, his secretary. Marvelous people. Get to know Jim and Marge Grow. That's the kind of people. That's the kind of people that have gone before. The faculty and staff and Dr. Duncan, he continues to send those kind of people. We, need a, we needed an outstanding person to direct renovations and to direct the building of new buildings and all of that. We needed a man of highest character and integrity. And there was a man here. And after much encouragement from me over the summer meeting for breakfast nearly every week, finally a man named Pete Reese, who had distinguished himself as really the founder of the athletic program here 20 years ago and had been director of athletics and basketball coach. And Pete graciously agreed to take that step and head that up. And this beautiful campus and all that you see, a lot of that has happened in the last 16 months. And Pete Reese is the man who has been at the helm of that. Encourage him when you get a chance. You'll see him here at night. When you see him here walking around during that pickup truck at 8 or 9 o'clock at night, he didn't come on at 4. He was probably here at 7 in the morning. He's here for you and for the Lord. We needed help in landscaping the grounds. It didn't always look like this. And back in the summer, a man was listening on the radio one day, and maybe Dr. MacArthur told you about this. A man was listening on the radio, driving on the freeway, and John was on the radio, and, and he said something about the Master's College and about how we needed people to come and help. And the guy just drove his truck right up here and said, how can I help? He really did. He really did. And then, and then he started bringing us flowers and shrubs and trees. And at first he wouldn't tell us his name. And then we said, well, we got to give you a receipt for your income tax. And he said, I don't want a receipt for my income tax. I want to keep this pure. I don't want, I'm not doing this to get an income tax deduction. I'm doing it for Christ. And I'm not doing it for recognition. I don't even want anybody to know my name. That's how he was for several months. And he kept coming. And finally he started giving Peter. He'd say, Pete, write out a list. Which kind of flowers do you want? Which kind of trees? And which kind of shrubs? And we're kind of embarrassed to do that, you know. But we did. We wrote out a nice big list. <laughs> you know how you get over. The embarrassment can come and go. It's things like that. And so a man named Hal Kemper for this last year. All these flowers and shrubs, shrubs and things, and you know, unbelievable. When you see Hal or his wife Shirley, who is now Dr. Duncan's secretary, and they, they were living down in Mission Viejo, and, and God just pulled them so much into this place that they moved up here from Mission Viejo. And we needed, um, we needed two cars last summer. This is a funny story. We needed two cars, and we had no money. And uh, so we, find, we, we had heard of a car dealer who had, been, who had been supportive of the school in the past, and a man of God we had heard, and he lived, his business was in Fresno. 
And so one morning, Dr. MacArthur and Dr. Stead and I got on an airplane to go up there to buy two cars with no money. And um, they asked us what kind of cars we needed, and we told them. They said, pick them out, come back in, we'll work on it. So we picked out the cars that came back in, and we get sat down. And, and the, uh, the owner of the dealership said, well, uh, how much uh, do you want to put down? And John looked at me, and I said, nothing. We don't have any money. And the dealer looked kind of funny, you know. Like, you know, you just picked out two cars, you waste, you know, you don't have any money. And um, so we said, well, can you give us a good interest rate on GMAC or something? We got, we have to have these cars. So he said yes, gave us a good rate, gave us a very good deal on the cars, right at cost, and just you know, as cheap as you could get cars. And then after I signed all the papers, the dealer looked at me and he said. Um, I'm going to send you more than enough money each month to cover those payments. And he has. He's never failed. And he's given us even another car since then. That's how God has been meeting needs, just some of them. We need a top quality additional faculty and staff. And the additional faculty and staff that God provided over this last year, we didn't recruit anybody. Okay, we didn't put any ads in any journals or we didn't recruit anybody. They just showed up. Letters would come. Two or three page letters would come that would have more about scripture and about their commitment to Christ and their doctrine and their, why they wanted to, they believed God was leading them to, to the Master's College. People with distinguished qualifications and PhDs from top schools and serving, uh, experience at top schools and research backgrounds and you name it. That's the kind of people. Or whether it would be, um, I remember one staff person, because it happened in my home, the, uh, the treasurer of our uh, board of directors, Jim Rickard, his son Jimmy is here, you've probably gotten to know him, a good soccer player he is. Jim was in our home one evening, uh, staying overnight, a day, came in a day early before, before the board meeting. And after we'd had dinner, Jim and I went in, we're sitting in the living room, and I said, Jim, the way we're growing, we're growing so fast, we need a top-level finance person. We need a certified public accountant who has a master's in business administration, who has corporate uh, financial experience and academic financial experience. That would be an ideal candidate. And Jim Rickard said to me, I know the guy. I know the perfect guy, but you'll never get him. The next morning at 8 o'clock from my home, I dialed up this guy's number, and his secretary was away from her desk, and he answered his phone. Click. Bang. I said, Mr. Anglia, my name is Bob Provost. I'm at the Master's College. I started to tell him about what God is doing here. In 10 days, he was out here for interviews. And now John Angley is our vice president of finance, and he and his wife Marge and their two daughters have moved in and are making a major contribution. To we needed some additional housing right back here. We were out of housing last fall. And you've noticed these little three houses here. They became available to us in the summer when we had no money. And we thought, well, gee, you know, they, they were part of a, an estate proceeding. Doesn't God want us to have them? They're right here. They're almost sticking on our property, you know, sort of in the middle of the athletic field. Surely God wants us to have those. But why doesn't he give us money if it's the same time the houses are available? And so we sent, um, we sent some folks to, to negotiate. One of our board members, Karen uh, Salian's father, Mitch, is a master negotiator, went to this estate proceeding. And he bid a low number. And we got it. But we didn't have any money to pay. So, you, you know, you can buy a house, but you've got to show up someday with money, you know. 
And so we, the Lord worked that out, so we were able to get a 90-day escrow, which is very unusual. In other words, we scheduled that so that we, we put a small amount down, and then 90 days later was after the students came, and we would have money for a couple of days. And we could make a down payment, then we could borrow money. But we couldn't borrow money against the houses because they were so run down. They were so absolutely run down. And so what we had to do was go back to the attorney representing the state and say, this is highly unusual. But would you mind letting us go in and fix up that house before we own it? <laughs> so that when we do own it, we can get a loan to pay for it because it's run down. I said, boy, that is pretty unusual, you know. And he said, but I think I could talk my client into doing that because of who you are. And that's because of the reputation of the school, the integrity in the community that we were able to do that. And then we went back to the attorney and, and said, you've been so kind to let us fix up the house, delay the payment for 90 days. And um, now we have a housing problem. We have students coming. Could we put students in it before we own it in those three houses? He said, that is really irregular, you know, shouldn't do bad business, shouldn't do that, but they let us do it. And so by the time it was time to go to the bank to get the loan to pay for the houses, not only were they remodeled and in good shape, but they were income producing with tenants and banks like that. And so we're able to get a favorable loan for that. That's the kind of thing that God has done all through this last year. Just keeps doing it and doing it again. We, we began to realize back in the fall that, that while everyone had written out a testimony telling about how they had come to Christ as Savior, because that's a qualification for admission here, we began to get the distinct impression that we had some students who probably weren't regenerate, probably maybe thought they had committed their lives to Christ, but the fruit just wasn't there and the joy wasn't there. And many began to pray about that. And the result was a revival. We had more than 30 young people last fall who had come here believing they were Christians have their hearts truly opened and met the Lord as Savior last fall. It's not just been financial. It's been, it's been right across all areas. We wanted to reach our community for Christ and we wanted the young people to begin to have a heart a burden for souls and one of the things that happened last year was called the Santa Clarita Bible study it was sponsored by Grace Community College ministry but it occurred out here in this area and every Friday night young people would meet for a half hour to study the word and a half hour to pray and then they'd go down to Hollywood and Westwood and do street evangelism and they became very bold in walking up to people in those difficult areas and telling people about Christ it's tremendous 60 or 70 every Friday night we're doing that we wanted to do something for our community last fall and we didn't quite know what to do I want you know, an institution in the midst of a residential community even if it's a church many times a church will be hated by the people who live next door that's a terrible thing but that's often the case because many times the church is so busy ministering to us people that it it People drive on their lawn and, you know, the people next to things happen. And so the people that live next to the church sometimes are the hardest to reach. We don't want that to be the case here in this canyon. And so last fall, we wanted to do a gesture, something to express our appreciation, our love, something of Christ to the people that live in this canyon. And so I boldly said, well, let's get them all a basket of fruit at Thanksgiving time, a big, beautiful, overflowing basket of fruit, the best fruit that money can buy. There are about 50 houses out there.
I thought. So he made a commitment to do that. And then I sent somebody out to count the houses and they came back and they said there are 342 houses. And if a basket of fruit costs 20 or 25 dollars, if you have any arithmetic in your ability, 25 or 30 dollars times 342 is a lot of money. And we had no money. And I said to Dr. MacArthur, what are we going to do? We've made a commitment to the management team. Everybody thinks we're going to do this. How are we going to pay for it? What are we going to? He said, don't worry. He said, I know a guy. <laughs> and he made a phone call. And the phone call resulted in several fruit growers and dentists and professional people in a place called Visalia, about nearly a three-hour drive from here. And they all contributed and brought down truckloads of fruit. Best fruit you've ever seen. We had a faculty packing meeting, fruit packing meeting on a Monday evening, the week of Thanksgiving. Tuesday, students, many wild staff people delivered those door to door. People were, I think the term is, blown away. No, no catch? How much? What's later? You know, whoever came to your house and gets, who didn't know you and gave you a big, beautiful basket of fruit and said, we love you. We're glad you're our neighbors. And we did that. It had an amazing impact on this community. And now as we approach, begin another fall, one of the things that we have determined to do as we are purposing in our hearts to be all that Christ intends us to be right here, not just when you're finished here in one, two, three, four years, but faculty, staff, and students together. We want this campus to be, to be viewed as Christ-like. We want our lives to count right in this community. We don't want people dying and going to hell because we offended them, because we weren't careful about our testimony right here in our backyard. We want to seize the opportunities. No accident. You're here. No accident. These people live in these houses all around it, us, all a part of God's sovereign plan. And so Russ Moore and I were thinking last week, what could we do? And we came up with a strategy. And we want you to be a very important part of that. And part of that is that we, we're going to declare a day. And we're not sure the day yet, but within three, three to four weeks, we're going to set aside a day. And we'll probably meet for prayer first thing and maybe have chapel first thing in the morning. Maybe move that to 8 or 8.30 and have chapel that day real early. And the rest of the day, classes will be suspended. And we will have a day of service to the people that live in this canyon. We will tell them in advance. In advance, we've, we will tell them, they can call, be, what would they like us to do. And I'm going to be a part of that. And I'm asking faculty and staff, everybody, we're going to shut the place down and we're going to go and wash windows and work in yards. And we're going to have a labor of love for the people that live in this canyon. Are you ready to do that? All right. Now, you know what that's going to do? In addition, in addition to ministering to their physical needs, everyone that goes and does a labor of love that day for a family, there's going to be a budding relationship that begins. You're going to get to know some people. And I'm proud of you. And Dr. MacArthur is proud of you. I want people all over this community to get to know all of you. You're special. God has made, equipped you and gotten you ready. He has raised you up for a time just like this. And a part of your training, when you can begin to relate to people who don't know Christ as Savior, you will begin already for the days ahead when you find yourself living in a neighborhood, married and with children and people around you who are unsaved. How do you talk to them? Well, the way you began talking to them back at the Master's College. You went next door. You let them see Christ in your life. You cared about them. I think that will be the beginning of our turning this immediate canyon upside down for Christ. 
I wish I'd gotten through more of this. Maybe we can do it another day. I'm on page, uh, started top, I got through two or four pages. That's up to, uh, I got to October last year. Okay, the things that God did from October up until now, I didn't get to tell you about those yet. But the one thing I want you to know when you leave this place beyond the shadow of a doubt and somehow I'm praying that the Spirit of God will grip your heart and you'll understand this and it'll change your lives beginning this morning is that all that we've talked about over the 59 year history of this school Dr. MacArthur being raised up for a time such as this all these the people who've been faithful Dr. Duncan and all that over the years the people that God has sent now the resources for the new buildings for all of that all that's happened over this summer just all of it together, if I could have told you all of that. All that God has done here. You know who he's done it for? For you. Each one of you. 